Well, good morning, everybody. Christ be magnified. What a, that's a beautiful song. I don't know if you guys know this. That was, uh, that was one of the primary worship songs. I think we had that every day uh, at CIY. And it was just it, it, really a blessing to uh, come home from that week and have that begin to be sung here at FCC. It was a seriously a blessing. I know not just for myself, but for many of our students that joined us. And, and really, uh, uh, today's lesson ultimately is about magnifying Christ in our life, reflecting him into, into this world. But before we begin, before we, we jump too far into that, you guys know I like phrases. And I got a phrase for you today. I bet you've heard it before. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Have you heard that before? You guys familiar with that phrase, that concept of, uh, in other words, when we're uh, trying to get rid of a bad thing, don't, don't get rid of the good, okay? And, uh, you know, did a little research trying to figure out, okay, well, where'd this phrase come from? Where'd this, this idea come from? And, well, it turns out it comes from Germany, uh, circa 1512. That's the first time it shows up. I'm going to butcher this, so don't make fun of me too bad. I don't speak German. But it was, uh, Das Kind meet dem Bad Ausschütten. I think my son will tell me if I got that, that Ausschütten. Close enough. All right. Thank you, Carter. And it meant, believe it or not, exactly what you would think it meant. I mean, that was it. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Literally, that's what it meant. You know, they'd have the little tub or whatever, and don't, don't, don't get rid of the baby. When, don't get rid of the good along with the bad. Because we can have a tendency to, to react and do that sort of thing. As a matter of fact, we, go, we, we look at things, uh, you know, prefacing this, uh, we look at things a little bit different. We can look at the, you guys know I like natural revelation. Well, there's this guy back in the day, Newton. You guys have heard of him. He had a law of motion. He had actually several laws, but the third law of motion was this. For every action, there is an opposite but equal reaction. You, you've heard of this. And, and while that is absolutely true in the physical world, it's also, we, we, we can see that same tendency socially, culturally, in the way we interact, in the way we respond to things, we can, uh, again, go into my next picture here. It's like a pendulum, all right? Something could be terrible. Like if, if the Lord says there is a straight and narrow path, straight down the pipe here, and somebody can be way over here in left field, and they could do something completely and, and totally wrong, and we can react or respond in such a way that we go way over here on the other side, and we, we find ourselves out of line with what God has intended. Uh, lots of different observations. I, I can think of one currently, and I'm not trying to be all super political. Uh, there's a cop up in Minneapolis, does an evil thing, absolutely evil, puts his you know, knee on the back of a dude's neck and kills him. Um, I mean, you got to understand, as, a, as, a, as an officer of the law, part of your job is controlling your emotions, being the person in a, in a, in a, in a terrible situation to do the right thing. This was the wrong thing. This was an evil thing. This guy, this guy did the wrong thing. No matter how you slice it up, doesn't even matter what the other guy was doing. It, it, he's not responsible for what the other guy does. He's responsible for what he does. He's supposed to be in control here. He's the, supposed to carry out, fulfill, execute the law. That was not it. He stepped out of bounds. 
And, uh, you know, he's getting punishment. But, but part of the response to that, all right, so we got this thing that's, that's definitely wrong, okay? We can't be just executing justice in the streets. We've got a court system that we're supposed to go through. And people's response were, okay, we'll eliminate all police. That is equally foolish. Matter of fact, in, in areas where they have, have, have limited that, all of a sudden, oh, a big surprise, there's a huge jump in crime. Now, the issue that we are talking about today has potential, at a bare minimum, where we have potentially, as a culture, as a, as a people, as a freedom-loving, it's Independence Day, right? To be one of those issues where maybe, just possibly, I just ask you to consider, just, just open up your heart that maybe God has a, a little different understanding as he's communicating with us, a, a little bigger picture that he's seeing. And there's a potential that while there have been things that were wrong in the past, that potentially, potentially we have, have swung just a little bit too far. Don't, don't take my word for it. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into God's word here. We'll take a, take a read. Just remember, I drew the short end of the stick, people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Let's get, let's, let's get into his word today. This is, we're going to pick this up, 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You guys hear that? Even the crickets got uncomfortable and got quiet. <laughs> Wives and husbands. We're just going to jump right into this. All right? We won't waste uh, any time. Obviously, it doesn't take a lot of rocket science to know that if if I go to, uh, let's say, downtown St. Louis and just preach this, it's probably not going to be received so great. But let's see what God really has to say here. Let's, 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 let's tear this thing apart. Starts out, 1 Peter 3.1, he says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. That likewise is important. It connects thoughts, right? It connects a thought that came before. And if you'll remember last week, as John was preaching on what? Submission to government authorities, this is what it said, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14. Be subject, same phrase, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, 
whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And as John was explaining, uh, you know, what, what Peter was really talking about, he referred to the leader, right, at the time. Who was the emperor? And if you'll remember who the emperor was, the emperor was a guy named Nero. So before we even begin, I have great news, ladies. There's like a 99.999% chance you're not married to Nero. All right, he's probably a little, little bit better dude than Nero, okay? So when we're talking about this idea, all right, when we're linking these thoughts together, we're connecting back to that idea of submitting to Nero, okay? And we'll turn to the verse, 1 Peter 3.1. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. It's the same phrase that he used with Nero. Be, be subject is, is what we get in the ESV translation. And that comes from the Greek word, hupotasso. All right? And it means to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject or put in subjection, to subject oneself to obey, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice, to obey or be subject. Um, we can sum it up with, with really one word, or one I thought, it just it means to submit. And boy, on Independence Day, doesn't it feel good to say that? Boy, it just goes against everything in our bones. I mean, can't you, I, I feel the hair on your neck standing, oh, to submit. And here's why. Because usually when we hear the word submit, this is what we think of. Now, you, I remember that. And I'll tell you what, I submitted to that guy, except my guy was like this tall. I'm not kidding. He was this little guy, but whatever, man. I submitted. So did everybody else. And yep, I submitted, but it was begrudgingly, I'll tell you that. Um, I can still, <laughs> I never heard such words. <laughs> Whole new phrases. But that's not really the picture of submission. That, the, that, that Peter's really getting at here. Uh, this this picture is a little bit closer. And what I want you to notice is she is submitted. You realize that, right? She is trusting right there that he is going to lift her up. But we'll get back to him. But I want you to understand that while she is also submitting to him, believe it, he is also in a state of submission there. We'll, we'll come back to him in a minute. But I just I just want you to see that Submission is, is not a terrible bad thing. If Captain America saves you as your fault, I mean, you're going to appreciate that help at the time, that care. Submission is not always a negative thing. But if we're really going to get a picture of submission, all right, to the point of what this is getting at here at First Peter, we need to look at the one who is perfect at submission. Because it's really the point of this passage of Scripture. We'll look at Luke 2, 49 and 51. You've probably heard of this story. You've heard of this guy, Jesus, right? And Jesus is uh, being going to the temple. He's like 12 years old. He's being taken to the temple. They're going to celebrate Passover. That's what his family does every year. They go to Jerusalem. They celebrate Passover. And the way it worked back then is they traveled in these big groups, family groups, like the entire town of families all connected. And if you've ever been to a big family reunion, uh, you know, at a state park or something, it's really easy. You know, the kids are doing their own thing, and you kind of, you're hanging out with the adults. You kind of lose track of the kids a little bit. Not that they're not cared for, but you know what I'm saying? They're all doing their own thing in their group. 
And this was kind of the case on a broader sense. They go a couple days and they don't see Jesus. And they're like, man, where is Jesus? Where is he? And they start, and then they start like kind of panicking because nobody's seen him. And they, they go back to the temple and there he is, interacting with the scribes. Really, not just, he's talking to them as a teacher would as a 12-year-old boy. And they, they kind of, they, 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 he looks at him, and they're like, where have you been? He goes, why are you so surprised? He goes, he said to me, why, he said to them, I'm sorry, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was, and here's our word, submissive. Hupatasso. He was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. I want you to see Jesus, God, all right? One of the persons, three persons of God in the flesh is standing right there being submissive to his parents. He, the parents that he created, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus, literally, before they were even in their womb, he had stitched out Mary and Joseph's life. He, he's in control. Is, is he somehow lesser then because he's submissive to his parents and his role? Absolutely not. He is the God of the universe. He breathed out and created everything. He's not lesser then because he's submissive to his parents. That's not what's going on here. There's, there's got to be something else, right? Another picture of Jesus. He withdrew. It's a little bit later on in life, right? He's, he's just, just hours from submitting himself to the authorities, to the Romans, to the Jews, to the cross, submitting himself to the Father, to redeem our souls. Again, God in control. Not lesser than somehow. This is what he's doing. And, and he's going to submit again. And we're going to see it right here. Luke 22. As he's, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Submitting. Submitting his will to the Father's will. And it's not, I'm lesser than. Absolutely not. Equal with the Father. And so, back to our verse. Again, we're called to submit one to another. It starts with the wives. Wives. Be subject to your own husbands. And what I want you to see is there's a purpose, okay? Let's catch the purpose. It's not just because, you know, whatever, there's some, like, sadistic God who's got a thumb on you. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on here. Let's, let's not lose track of what is going on here. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. In a society, you got to understand at this time, 
This very society is, is much different than what we have going on today, obviously. It's a patriarchal society. Uh, unfortunately, women were treated, I mean, not really any better than cattle. They were possessions, okay? So for a woman to come to Christ outside of the authority of her husband, this, this was an issue. This was a big deal. This was her extending herself, I mean, way beyond the cultural norms here. Peter is saying, look, I want you to be respectful to your husband. I want you to, to go above and beyond in, in this submission to your husband. As long as it doesn't oppose me and my will for you and your life. In other words, God's not asking you to, you know, uh, well, my husband's Jewish, so I mean, no, 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 that's not it. He's not saying to, to turn away, but he's saying as far as you're carrying out your everyday life, I want you to go, because that in and of itself, even if he doesn't respond to anything else, you can win your husband's heart to Christ through that behavior. There is a purpose, not just, and not even just him, right? As you model this out in your, in your life, the people around you are watching. The culture around you is watching. Even today, the people are watching, church. They're watching. Uh, you don't have to do a whole lot of, of research to see the... Do you know that the divorce rate in the church is almost the same as the divorce rate outside of the church. And do you know that those outside of the church would use that as a weapon, as a, as a reason to deny, well, I'm just no different. And God is saying, I have a plan. I have a better plan. I need you to trust me because you're not really submitting to him. You're submitting to me. You're, it's not even about, you're reflecting Christ into this world in how you relate to one another. If I, Jesus speaking, can lay down my life for you, if I can submit to my if I can, I want you to submit to your husband. He goes on to look at perfect beauty. I love this. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I read a book when I was in college. It was one of the, you know, the Messiah uh, readings, and it was on Africa, and it was talking about all this African culture stuff from all these different places. In case you didn't know, Africa is a continent, not a country. That was one of the funny things that they, they made a joke about, because too often we say, oh, Africa, like it's all one thing, and it's so incredibly not. But one of the things that came out of the book is they, this, this, this English guy goes into this, this area that has not been touched by Western culture, right? So he goes and he interviews all these guys and he says, tell me, what's a beautiful woman? What's a beautiful woman to you? And these guys go through this laundry list of characteristics. And in a society like ours, this is not, 
There was not a single one of those characteristics that had anything to do whatsoever with the way that she looked. Nothing to do with it. I don't know if you know this. I know this. The kids at 212 can tell you, am I breaking down, Alex? Am I breaking down? Am I getting old and falling apart? I'm only 10. The things that I could do when I was 16, I cannot do. I can't dunk a basketball. Those days are done. I, I play nine square on the carpet and am in a boot for like weeks and weeks and months. All right? This physical form, which mine wasn't that glamorous to begin with, is decaying. It is. John's laughing because it's true and he knows it. And it isn't that God's saying there's anything wrong with braiding your hair or wearing jewelry. He's saying, look, do not let the emphasis of your life, do not place your value on the outward physical decaying beauty, but there's a beauty within that I want you to have, that I want you to experience, that I want to, to be the center of your, that needs to be your primary focus is this thing. In our society, we are so, I mean, you would talk about swinging far. The notion that I could go to a high school right now and ask guys, hey, what makes a girl beautiful? Do you think I'll get a single answer that doesn't relate to the outside, which is as we all know, from the point that we're born to the point that we die, it's in a, a constant state of decay. The Lord's saying, I want you to focus on these things, this imperishable beauty. And he uses Sarah as an example. I mean, you talk about, hey, babe, I was out walking around and God told me, what God? Yahweh just shows up. Just, he told me that we need to leave uh, everything that we know and go to a land that he's going to show me. Oh, okay, where's, where's this land? He'll tell me when we get there. Grab, the, <laughs> grab, grab our stuff, grab your brother, and let's go. Man, that's a... Uh, talk about supporting your husband. <laughs> that's something right there. Or, hey, sweetheart, we're going into Egypt, and uh, I want you to tell them you're my sister and not my wife. It'll go good for us then. Really? And she, I mean, and it all worked out. God worked it all out. That's a pretty wimpy thing, in my opinion, on Abraham's part. But she did it with him. She walked through that with him. And just walked through. I'm sure there were more conversations than that, but... They walked through that together. She didn't just run away and say, look here, weenie man, I'm out of here. She stayed with him. He goes on. He says, don't be afraid. Because this is the big thing. The reason that we uh, resist, there's fear here. This takes a serious amount of trust. All right, he says, do not be afraid. He says, and you are her children, that's Sarah, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. He says, look, to be submissive, do you think that was frightening for Sarah? To leave everything she knew. 
to walk into Egypt? Is it potentially frightening if you have an unbelieving spouse to submit? If you have a believing spouse to submit, it's vulnerable, right? You're, you're, you're given, and, and what if he does this, or what if he does that? I mean, you can think of a million, you can fill that timeline with a million reasons why that is not the thing I should do. God says, look, you lay that aside. Do not fear anything. Trust me. You're not really, you're submitting to him. Fellas, it's our turn. Likewise, there it is. You guys catch that? Like, like we are supposed to submit to Nero. Like wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. Husbands, you likewise are to submit to your wives. Not as leader. He goes on, not, maybe not in the leadership role. He says, look, live with your wives in an understanding way. In other words, I want you to put their needs ahead of your needs. Like Christ put our needs, not that he has any needs. of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, you're also called to submit. We go back to this picture. She's in submission, but so is he. Do you realize, I mean, you guys, anybody here wrestle? Anybody ever did wrestling? I love wrestling. Hey, is it good to have a low center of gravity? I mean, you got a little bit, of, little bit more strength, a little bit more leverage. She could pull him so easily off the top of that cliff right now, and they could both topple to their death. There is a, a level of trust for her to reach up for that support, but there is a level of trust and submission for him to reach down. It is mutual submission. And there's that word, there's that phrase. Boy, this is a good one. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Well, that'll, that'll win you some smiles on it. Our society in our day and age, my goodness, that's, I don't know, wear that t-shirt around. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be lucky if I don't get tarred and feathered out of here today, but boy, you wear the shirt, you're really in big trouble. Now look, there's a lot of ways, I guess you could twist that, and there's a lot of ways people have twisted that. I'm going to tell you something. I uh, blessed with a pretty awesome wife. If you haven't met her, Shanda's awesome. Absolutely love her. Um, some of you guys know I was in the military. I've seen some like some tough dudes. Whatever. For a minute, I thought I was a tough dude. I've seen some things, some tough things, some incredible physical feats that uh, just no, wouldn't have thought it was possible. 
I have never, and I will never, see anything more amazing than my wife giving birth to two children entirely naturally, by choice. She's going to do the same thing for the third one. It is the craziest physical feat, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, I know that there are some ladies out there that uh, pregnancy and, and birth, it's just a great, whatever, hallmark picture of a, it's so easy. That is not what it is for my wife. It is, it is exactly that. It is labor. It is a fight day in and day out, and that woman fights it. Weakness don't mean that. It don't mean that. She's tough. She's the toughest person I ever met in my life. Toughest person I'll probably ever meet in my life. But with that, I mean, we can talk of physical disparity, all right? The strongest, I mean, we've got outliers. So understand, Jesus would talk in uh, parables, and he'd use hyperbole and generalities and stuff when he was speaking. You know, like he would say, uh, you know, oh, you brood of vipers to the Pharisees. There are a couple of them dudes, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, those are pretty good guys. So I understand he, he would use the hyperbole there and kind of elaborate. So by and large, though, men are stronger than women. All right? When it's time to open the pickle jar, Dad, come here. Open the pickle jar, you know? And it isn't whatever. Like I said, there's always outliers. It's just we are, we are. The strongest physical guy, the fastest physical guy is, is stronger than the fastest physical woman on the planet. All right, it's how God made us. But in that same disparity, okay, so we can kind of grab a hold of the physical part of that, what that means. Even though that's not a super popular thing to talk about, we can, we can, we can get it if we're just being honest. You ever hear the phrase, mama loves you best? Why is that? Why does mama love you best? As I would present to you a thought, that is, far as the, the physical gap can be, that emotionally, a woman is capable of loving someone so much more. It provides, why? Kids just know it. The kids just know it. Mom don't even have to be perfect, but in, mom, in, in kids' mind, trust me, mom is perfect. Nobody loves me better than mom. Because it's, just, it's part of how, just again, the physical gap, God, this emotion, there's an emotional gap. All right, so moms are capable. Women are inherently capable of more. Again, are there outliers? Sure. Not saying that there's not. This is not an <laughs> all-inclusive statement. Don't throw me out for this. And that's a blessing and a curse. You ever know somebody that has deep feelings? Man, that could be the most powerful and rewarding thing for their lives. They're able to, to touch someone and pour into somebody and connect with somebody on that deep level. But guess what? That also means that they're capable of being hurt much deeper. You guys encountered this? Can have a disagreement? Can think we got things figured out? And five minutes later, a dumb bull in a china shop like me forgets that it ever happened. Like, never a thought in my brain I could live the rest of my life and I would never know, but some dumb thing I said, which I, I, 
I hate sin. I hate that they're sinning me, that I say dumb things. Cannot wait to go to heaven where that's done. Like, seriously, nobody can wait more than that for me than that can. I'm super excited to get there. Um, but man, that can burn and burn for years, man. It can, it can mean something more because the potential to hurt. And God says, live with your wife in an understanding way, to be gentle, to be gentle, to treat her compassionately. Because I'll tell you what, that ability to love, that's a reflection of Christ and his love for us. That hurt that comes with it, that double-edged sword, do you remember when he wept for Jerusalem? Do you remember when he wept as he saw his friends hurting for Lazarus? The Lord had feelings. And men, he also had what? He was protector. He was valiant. He was, you know what I'm saying, a provider. He couldn't have provided any more than he provided for us. That's what we're called to be. We're reflecting him. They're reflecting him, and we're called to, to do this together in perfect submission to one another, paying attention to the other person's needs. He needs this. She needs this. We're going to work together. We're going to submit to one another to meet those needs as a reflection, ultimately, of Christ, and together in our, as, a, as a, bit, a, a better reflection than I could do on my own. I learn more about Christ from my wife than anywhere else. I see him more clearly through my wife. And God will, and she sees him through me somehow. That's what our marriages, it's, it's part of what our marriages are there for. It's part of the gift that God has given us. And again, men, just like there was a purpose for the women, there's a purpose for the men. He says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, what is he getting at there? Because this is important. You could, you could take that all a million different directions. But just like it was with the women, this is, a, in other words, if I'm a husband in this family, now notice there wasn't a, a ton and ton of dialogue there for the guys. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But if the purpose was evangelistic for the woman's role of submission, guess what? The purpose is evangelistic. And he's saying, look, if you can't live in an understanding way with your wives, that is going to hinder you leading them to Christ. You're going to be a hindrance. And he said, do this so that your prayers for their salvation will not be hindered. So that your prayers for those that are watching, all right? Because let's face it, part of the reason that this idea of submission is such an issue is because men, some men have forgotten that part of it, right? And they looked a lot more like the drill sergeant than they did Captain America. And an outside world watched and seen that, and guess what? It hindered, it hindered their view of what a Christ-centered marriage and relationship should look like. So that when you hear the word submission, all of a sudden it's this negative thing. That it was not intended to be. Now, Peter, I mean, he really... He dials it in. If any of you guys are familiar with photography, he's like macro style, man. He's in there. He's tight. He's getting right up in our, in our grill, personal. Paul is kind of doing the same thing, but he takes a little bit wider angle. 
And I want you to, to, to catch the connection here because it's important. It's important because, man, we get this, this practical sense. Okay, well, uh, the Bible tells me I need to do this and I need to do this. And, but uh, why? All right, because if we can catch hold of the vision why and we can catch hold of the power source who's going to empower us in Christ to be able to live this thing out, man, amazing things can happen. But we need, we, we need to grab hold of that vision. All right? So Paul, he comes at this a little bit different. And what's funny is Peter spends this much time on the ladies and that on the fellas. God speaks through Paul, and he spends this much time on the ladies and that much time on the fellas. So let's jump into this. It's Ephesians 5. And I love in my Bible how it's, how it's subtitled is walking in love. I love that. This is, in other words, this is what Scripture says. This is what God, speaking through Paul, says walking in love should look like for husbands and wives. All right? So this is how to walk in love as a wife, according to God. Wives. And he don't mince words. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I want you to get that picture. How should the church submit to Christ? In other words, he says, okay, I've got you guys right here. Now we're going to take a little bit bigger picture here. We're going to take a look at what it means to be the bride of Christ. You know, that's what the church is called, right? We're the bride of Christ. That is the, the illustration. And he's saying, look, as the bride, we as the church are to submit to Christ. And he's saying in the same way that we as the church are to submit to Christ, wives, submit to your husbands. And he's going to talk about how a husband should walk in love. And I don't want you to miss this. Fellas, listen up. Because I'll tell you what, uh, you know, so far if we dissected this, man, the, the ladies have had a lot to hear. That's, and, and a lot of this, again, with our culture, this is super, it, it is, it's challenging. It's offensive. This is hard. I want you to listen. I, I, I'd actually even ask you to close your eyes. I want you to listen and I want you to consider what the Lord has done for you and what he's calling you to do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, in other words, make her better, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He gave himself up that she might be holy and without blemish. He put her needs ahead of his own, that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, 
just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Man, we are to lay down our lives for our wives as Christ did for the church. To put their needs ahead of ours. How are you doing on that? If you're anything like me, you can say, well, I need a little work. What's the point? The point of all of this, uh, you can't ever, we, we cannot lose sight, especially when we're encountering these big, tough words like submission. Our marriage relationships are meant to be reflections of Christ. Christ is meant to be magnified in our lives. As we relate to each other in our marriage relationship, we should stand out in this world. People should look at us and say, man, that's different. In our culture, mutual submission and putting each other ahead of the other is that, you tell me, is that going to stand out in our world? Does that look like what the world's doing? And how is that working out for the world? What does that look like? I mean, how have the results of that been when we look at it? Divorces are skyrocketed, and now they say it's dropping lower, but the truth is... That's, that's sort of a, a not quite true because the truth is people just aren't getting married. That's really why that number's dropped. Well, just fewer and fewer people, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not, just not even going to get married. Now I can just break up willy-nilly. It's not a big deal. Their system's not working. God says, I have a system. I have an order. My order works, but you have to trust me in it. And you have to work together at it. And it's work. As a matter of fact, you can't do it apart from me. You can't do it apart from me. Husbands, you need Christ to be able to love your wife like Christ. You need to know Christ to be able to love your wife like Christ. You need Christ to be able to carry this out. Wives, you need to be focused, to be able to pull this off, to submit to somebody as screwed up as me or, or you or you. <laughs> like, you need Christ to be able to do this. We can't do it apart from him. I want to take, I got enough time. I got enough time. We're going to make it, Robbie. So Peter... He got us in on the, the macro level. And Paul, he, he steps out and he kind of gives us a little bit wider angle. But we're going to step out and we're going to take an even wider angle. All right? A cosmic angle. All right? Great, great big angle. Because I want you to see something. I want you to catch it. And catch that you are playing a part in this. That God is using his church to do something on the cosmic level. Which means God is using you to do something and you need to catch it. I want you to own it, to grab it, okay? You guys know about the beginning, right? 
You guys have heard about it? All right, in the beginning, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. So understand, we were created in God's image, male and female. All right, so Adam was first just a dude, and God takes a rib and he makes a woman. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm stealing from Ken Graves. Ken Graves is the one that, that, that he does it a lot better than I'm going to do it. When Adam woke up, Adam didn't look and say, by golly, I'm missing a rib. There it is. We know that. There's a little bit more than material was missing from Adam that day. Everything that was missing from Adam was Eve. Everything that would, would make up woman was missing from Adam. And in the same sense, everything that was missing from Eve was in Adam. Both made to reflect God, and they are, and made in the image of God, but you understand it's, it's different. Masculinity, femininity, I mean, those are not terrible words. I know in our society those are terrible words. You can't use those words. God designed that. That's God's design. He created them male and female. He did that. There are differences. That's okay. Doesn't mean less than, no, it's not a, no. We're made in the image of God together. And then a terrible thing happened, right? They're, they're living in perfection in the garden for a minute. We don't even know how long that minute was, but they were there and it was good. Matter of fact, it was so good that you and I in our broken universe cannot understand how good it is. I mean, I could make all kinds of jokes. They lived naked. And they were cool with it. Everybody was cool with it. It's just two of them. You know, it was good in the garden. They lived in, the, in, a, in a relationship that you and I have not gotten the opportunity to experience because it was perfect. Absolutely perfect between them. Absolutely perfect with God. And then something happened, right? Ate some fruit they weren't supposed to. The fall comes, the curse of sin, and death comes. And part of the curse, right? Part of the curse shows up. In Genesis 3.16, God says this. Your desire, she's speaking to the woman, shall be contrary to your husband. In other words, a result of the fall is now your desire will not be to submit to your husband. And then he goes on, he says, but he shall rule over you. In other words, husband, your desire is not going to be to be understanding and loving, but to, to be the drill sergeant, right? That's what he says, right? Your desire is going to be contrary, but he's going to rule over you. At the, from perfect relationship to that, as a consequence of the fall. And if it ended there, man, that's, that's terrible, terrible news. But God had a plan, right? Jesus came, forgives sins, right? 
You guys have heard this news? It's pretty good news. We talk about it all the time here. Jesus had a plan. It wasn't plan B or C. or No, it was the plan, the only plan. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him, all the fullness of God, that's in Christ, was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He's going to reconcile all things, even this marriage thing, even this relationship thing that has been broken because of the fall, that, that his, she will resist him and he will try to lord. No, no. He says, look, I'm reconciling all things. As a matter of fact, he goes on a revelation. He says, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new, everything. And in a very real sense, what is taking place in this universe is Christ is taking the things that were broken and tainted because of the fall, and he's restoring them. He's reconciling them to himself. He's making all things new. He's bringing disorder and chaos back into order. He's taking imperfection and bringing it back to perfection. And he's saying, look, this is what I'm doing in your marriage relationship. You love your wives, husbands. You submit to... This is, this is a, you know what... A nanny nanny boo-boo to the devil who's trying to get us, you know, separate and break our relationships and keep them divided. He's saying, look, I am making all things new, even your relationship, and this is how you're going to live it out. And in a very real sense, church, as you live these things out, empowered by the Holy Spirit in you Christians, you are taking a cosmic stand as God is making all things new. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful if you could grab a hold of it. You were created individually to reflect Jesus Christ into this world, to be his ambassadors. But as a couple, as a married couple, you are made to reflect him. To be a part, a literal part of the kingdom of God being made present on earth, of all things being made new, of this restoration, of this reconciliation that is moving us forward. Because trust me, man, we are going to be in perfect agreement here when we get to eternity. Can't wait. But in the meantime, he says, look, live this out. A little bit of light, a little bit of light, a little bit of light through you into a dark world. It's amazing. You and I get the privilege, the honor of reflecting Christ in this life. And our marriages, our closest relationship gets to be a part of that. What a tremendous gift. So here's my question. How, how are you doing with that? How are you reflecting Christ Husbands and wives, how are you doing with that? None of us are doing that perfectly because we're not him. All right? At best, it's kind of a, a funky mirror. Go ahead, Robbie. Which one are you? <laughs> I 
sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, though, that mirror gets a little, a little cleaner, a little clearer. Do you even realize that's the goal in your marriage relationship? That's the purpose. Your God-ordained purpose. I just want you to grab hold of it, to own it, to pray, to ask God to help you. Husbands, ask the Lord to help you. Wives, ask the Lord to help you. I promise he is. He is faithful to do just that. And who knows? Who knows? In a church this big, with this many people in this room, if husbands and wives can grab hold of this truth, can prayerfully seek out the Lord. Lord, help me to live this thing out. You called me to do it. I want to submit to you. And that's really what this is about. Help me. Who knows what could take place in Union, Missouri as families, as your neighbors witness something different, different than what the culture offers. As the light is shined into the community through our marriages the way it's meant to be. And single people, You were meant to reflect Christ. The person that you're looking for as a spouse was meant, you guys were meant. But in order to do that, you have to know him. You have to know him. My prayer is that you would know him and that the person, whoever it is, if there is, right, they're going to know him too. That you guys will grab hold of this. Even now, you can think about that. Young people, even now, You could be thinking about how that's what this is really meant to be. Not about self-gratification or this thing or that thing or anything else, but about Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the awesome privilege, the responsibility. Thank you for for using us, for using us our marriages, for using our lives, for taking broken vessels like us and using them to magnify you. Father God, I pray for each and every person in this room, for myself, Lord, please help us to submit to you, to submit to one another in love, to live out this thing that you've called us to in such a way that people are drawn to you, that our families, our extended families are drawn to you, that our children are drawn to you, that when they head out of the world, they're looking, for, they're looking for that same thing because we've modeled that for them. Father God, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to submit to you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray.